It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. The Dallas Cowboys will not win a Super Bowl as long as Jerry Jones is the general manager. Not win another Super Bowl, rather, as long as Jerry Jones is the general manager. It will not happen because he keeps making decisions like this and kind of causing issues, uh, causing a ruckus for his franchise. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. As we come into hour number two of the show, you hear my guy, Michael Rothstein from ESPN, does a great job covering the Falcons like a glove for ESPN.com. Talking about the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and the acquisition of Trey Lance is what he was talking about, making decisions that don't do anything for the team. Again, that was my guy, Mike Rothstein from ESPN. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to bring in my other guy, Ari Mayrov from 33013.com. He's my homeboy too. And Ari, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. What do you think of the, the Trey Lance move as the Cowboys made the decision to trade for him on Friday, adding him to the mix behind Dak Prescott and, and behind Cooper Rush? Well, Q, I wasn't surprised that he was traded. I mean, this is something that has been kind of percolating since February at the Combine. I remember people saying that, keep an eye on Trey Lance. And then when they signed Sam Darnold, it was even more obvious that something was not right over there. What I was surprised about was two things. A, the team. I was not expecting the Dallas Cowboys to be involved in all this. And then B, the return. I mean, I don't think really anyone expected a fourth-round pick to be coming back for a player who has played, what, four games so far in the NFL or four starts in the NFL. Mm. The last time he started um, two consecutive games and finished both games was back in 2019. That is the COVID year, so he's barely played. And um, throughout this offseason, the 49ers definitely had trade talks, and no team came close to a fourth-round pick. So, I think when the 49ers got that offer over the weekend on Friday, they were like, we're going to pounce on it, even though maybe they would have preferred to send them to the AFC. Um, this isn't Aaron Rodgers or whatever, so they were perfectly fine with sending him to an NFC team if it meant getting a high pick, like a fourth-round pick, which they clearly were not getting for several months throughout this offseason. You know, the thing about Trey Lance, as you mentioned, is he, hasn't, he doesn't have any experience. He just hasn't been on the field and getting any playing time. What's he going to do in Dallas is now the number three guy there? Well, it's still to be determined if he's going to be the, the two or the three. Obviously, you mentioned Cooper Rush is there as well. He has been someone who has um, been with Mike McCarthy, um, has, was also with Kellen Moore. Of course, Kellen Moore is no longer there. But um, we'll see where he ends up being a two or a three. But I think the, the more thing is, like last year, we saw Dak Prescott get hurt and miss, I think it was six games. Mm-hmm. He's had other injuries in the past, of course, had the gruesome ankle injury a couple of years ago. So there is an injury element there with Dak Prescott. There's also a very, very underrated storyline with Dak Prescott's contract, which I've talked a lot about on the 30-13, but Dak Prescott's contract that he's on right now, if you guys remember a couple of years ago, that took a couple of years to get done. It took a couple of franchise tags, and because of it, he really cornered the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones into getting a very, very strong player-friendly contract. Like in my opinion, the only contract better in the NFL right now, besides for Dax, is Deshaun Watson. So it's that good. Mm. And he has two years left on that contract right now, but he cannot get tagged two years from now. So he has all the leverage in the world when it comes to negotiations because he knows at this time next year, He's going to be entering the final year of his contract, and the Cowboys are either going to let him become a free agent during the prime years of his career, 
or they're going to have to give him another monster extension. So there is an avenue here where if they don't get another deal done with Dak, this could, could, thing could eventually come to a point where trade could become a possibility there down the line. So I think that's another element of all this, where at least in their back pocket, they do have trade lines there to develop. And if the worst-case scenario happens with Dak, and those negotiations in 2020 and 2019 were rough, it took a while to get done, and it's going to be even rougher now because the quarterback market has skyrocketed. So there's another element of all this. I don't think it's been has been discussed enough. No, I don't think it has either. And so with all that being said, who has more pressure there in Big D, Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott? I think there's pressure really on everybody there. I mean, Mike McCarthy has been a head coach two years now in Dallas. Both years has won 12 games, but of course they still can get over the hump. And really, frankly, what he did last year – after Dak Prescott got hurt in that week one game was pretty impressive. I mean, people started writing the Cowboys off once it was Cooper Rush time. I think it was week two against the Bengals, and they won that game, and they kept on winning with Cooper Rush. So Mike McCarthy has done a fine job. I know people like to troll him and make fun of him, but I think it was a very big year on Dak Prescott because the turnovers last year were a serious issue. This is a team that has added more weapons. They traded for Brandon Cook. They're going to have Michael Gallup feeling much healthier this year. He's coming back from the ACL injury last year and really never felt like himself. Tony Pollard is going to be the lead back this year, something that I know their fans have wanted for a long time, and now it's finally going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott no longer there. So the offensive line also is still um, an above-average offensive line if they're healthy. So there's a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott's hands, in my opinion, more than Mike McCarthy, because he has to prove, A, that he can still um, be a top-level quarterback. But on top of that, if no extension gets done here in the next couple of weeks, and I know we've had a couple of discussions, but nothing serious, then he's going to have to have a big year for his own sake in order to get that long-term contract, which, again, he will have all the leverage in the world come next year. Again, we're talking with Ari Mayroff from the 33rd team.com here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So there's another guy that wants to be traded. There's a guy who wants a contract extension. Same guy, Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis. They uh, have put the Tuesday date as the deadline to get a trade done. Do you see something getting done with Jonathan Taylor? Do you think he's an Indianapolis Colt next year? Yeah, this is one that's going to go down to the wire tomorrow. I mean, we've all seen the reports out there. There have been a number of teams who have talked to the Colts, have talked more specifically with um, Taylor's agent, Malky Kawa, and it's really taking multiple sides to tangle this. I mean, you really have to first get compensation back to the Colts. You need to get a contract extension done with Jonathan Taylor, and we know the state of the running back market right now and how difficult it is. And then you need to get... Um, um, you need to get the Colts and the other team to approve of a trade. So there's a lot of things going on over here in order for it to happen. The one thing that the reason why there really is a Tuesday deadline over here, and I also really haven't seen this talked about much, is because Taylor is still on the PUP list right now. And if the Colts don't activate him by tomorrow at 4 o'clock, then he's going to have to miss the first four games of the year. So they would probably want to have that shift hands to a different team where they make that decision um, once the trade goes through. So that could be part of this as well. The talks are ongoing. It's going to go down to the wire. I kind of get the sense that the Colts are willing to move on. It's obviously they're trying to 
build a new culture with Shane Steichen. This guy has been more of a, of a distraction. He's been there um, on the practice field every single day with his hoodie on, with a, a sour face on there. It just makes me a little bit uncomfortable, which is what players sometimes have to do when they want to get a contract extension. That's not really who Jonathan Taylor is, if you ask people about the personality, but he wants to get a deal. He sees the running back landscape, and that's what he's doing right now. So, again, like I said, it's going to go down to the wire. If you made me guess right now, I would probably lean towards a trade, but just barely, like a 60-40 split, if you're asking me right now. If he doesn't get trade, Ari, is this relationship savable in Indianapolis? It's a great question. I mean, if he's not getting extended and he, again, he switched agents in May because he realized the situation with the running backs and he wanted to get paid. And his agent, just to get people a bit of a background, he's, he's, he's an NFL agent, but he's also a, a well-known MMA agent. He has some big names like John Jones and Jorge Masvidal. So the way he's been handling all of this, it's as if he's negotiating with Dana White or something. He's literally doing this like in the UFC style. So, um, the whole thing about it is, like, if I'm not getting what I want, I'm going to keep on being a little bit upset over here. So, like I was saying before, when you have a new head coach, when you have a rookie quarterback, the last thing you want is for there to be this type of a player who is clearly being a little bit of a distraction because he is upset, he's not happy. Like I said, he has, he has this sour face on the practice field every single day with his hoodie over his head and it's making things uncomfortable. So Jim Mersey has decided he does not want to take anyone after a disaster every year last year, even though this is a player who's 24 years old and one of the best players on the team. That's his decision. The front office has accepted it. And um, honestly, it's going to be one of the biggest storylines throughout the season going into week one, two, three, four. If the Colts end up keeping him and they are still not paying him, how is that locker room going to react to all of it? if that's the situation they're going to be in with this guy in there. We're talking right now with Ari Mayroff from the33rdteam.com here on Unnecessary Rough. This Radio 920. One team that doesn't have to worry about their running back position, at least for this year, is the Raiders, right? Josh Jacobs, he agrees to a deal on Saturday. He signs on the dotted line on Sunday. What did you think of the deal for, for Josh Jacobs one year up to $12 million with incentives? Yeah, I mean, you've got to give kudos to him because, like we, we've said before when I was on here, like, the reality is the Raiders could have done nothing, Jacobs could have done nothing, and he could have just showed up a week before the season starts, and he would have had no choice unless he wanted to lose game check. So it ended up getting into a situation where Dave Ziegler, the GM, and Jacobs and his agent met, and they were able to just squeeze out a little bit more out of the Raiders. And frankly, he was able to miss all most of the training camp, essentially, really all of it, yep. and which is what players hate. And unlike Saquon, he was able to get a little bit more money on top of that. So um, when you compare the two situations between the running backs that got this all started with the franchise tags, um, you would probably make a good argument that Jacobs won when you consider he would, he'll, have, he'll have the potential to make more. And he also missed all of training camp, which, again, players don't like. On top of that, he really didn't get a no-tag clause. But because the money went up, the franchise tag next year could be up to $14 million. And considering the running back market, I would be surprised if the Raiders ever used the franchise tag on $14 million for a running back next year. So he essentially has an open pathway to free agency come next year. 
That's not not bad. Not bad at all. And if they do tag him, like you said, up to $14 million, that's that's a, a nice chunk of change for a one-year deal for a running back, given the climate that the running backs are right now where they just really don't get paid. Ari, before we wrap up, I did want to ask you about the Cardinals and what in the hell they're doing. They made some trades last week. Uh, Josh, Josh Jobs they brought in as the quarterback. Then they released Colt McCoy today. Uh, I mean, is, is this an absolute tank without just coming out and saying we're tanking? I put out this tweet last week because the Cardinals were getting a lot of attention for their two trades of Isaiah Simmons and Josh Jones. And I basically said, and I'm, I'm, a real, I'm a big believer in this, I don't think it's really possible to tink a full season. Mm-hmm. That's just been my opinion really throughout the years. I think there are coaches on that team who are not just going to walk up and just try to lose 17 games. And I don't think there are players who all have one-year contracts or very little future guaranteed money and need to put stuff on film in order to have jobs next year who really care about draft picks. So I do find it very difficult to tank a full season. Now, the right. front office could definitely put out there a roster, which makes it difficult to win. But as we've seen in the past, like just last year, the Texans won a Week 18 game when they had a no more overall <laughs> pick. The players play to win the game. Now, there is a scenario where in Week 17, like the Eagles once did against the Washington football team at the time, where you pull all your starters because it's the last week of the year and you know you're not in the playoffs and you try to lose for draft season. You could do that in a one-week thing. But for a full-season thing, I think it's difficult. What I think the Cardinals are doing are essentially they are rebuilding, which is normal in the NFL. This is a new regime. This is a team that was very, very old. They had three starters retire this offseason with J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, and Rodney Austin. They had the least amount of homegrown players on this roster when this new regime came in, and they realized we have to strip it down and restart. And when you look at the draft, they added a bunch of future picks. They added an extra one from Houston, which could be very valuable. They added two extra thirds. They added a couple more picks last week in the trade. And they were like, we're going to have to add more players next year in the draft when we'll also have a lot more cap space. So they're a bit of a reset. But mm-hmm. I don't think any team in the NFL ever goes into a season and just says, you know what, let's try to go 0-18 and, and try to um, and, and 0-17 and try to get the normal one thing. I do think the players and the coaches are going to try to win games. I do agree with you that roster is in a really, really difficult spot. They won't have Kyler Murray for at least the first four games, which makes it even more difficult. But if you were to tell me um, whatever the odds are for the Cardinals to go 0-17, I would be willing to bet that they'll win at least one or two games this year. Right. It's really difficult to go over. I mean, it really, it really is. you got to be able to walk into at least one win or two wins here throughout the course of the season. Well, all right, we'll wrap up with this. We'll stick with the Cardinals. And Kyler Murray, you mentioned it. He's going to start out on the pup list, so he's missing at least four four games. If they are you know, restocking, retooling, rebuilding, whatever, however you want to say it, is Kyler Murray in their future? It's going to be the one topic that will be talked about throughout the season if the Cardinals season goes as we all expect, right? We're going to be talking about it all year long. We just saw Caleb Williams play on Saturday night, and he yes. made some flashy plays, even though it was against um, San Jose State, so you can make that argument whatever you want, but he made some amazing plays there on Saturday night. We're going to be talking about it a lot. We've definitely discussed it on the 33rd team as well. Listen, we looked into the contract. That contract is a trade next year. If the Cardinals want to move on, they could. There is that money on there. It is a big amount, but it's manageable, especially for a team like them, that their books are going to be, for the most part, very clean come next year because they moved on from all their players this year, pre-June 1. So 
If they want to move on from Kyler Murray, again, this is a regime that did not draft him. They inherited him. They have fully supported him ever since they got there. They went to his statue unveiling in Oklahoma. They've been full support of him, but ultimately quarterback is the most important position. And if you have a quarterback like Caleb Williams, who everyone is talking about as the next quote-unquote generational quarterback, you have to at the very least consider it. And this is a team in Arizona who has not only their own first-round pick, but also Houston's first-round pick, which, like I said before, could also end up being in the top five. That's going to become so valuable depending on how this season plays out, especially if it plays out the way that a lot of people, including myself, expect it to play out. Well, Ari, great stuff as always, my man. What are you working on at 33 that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so actually there's a lot of things that are going on over here. But nice. I put out an article last week of my 50 observations after after the preseason here. A bunch of the stuff on there have already happened, which is um, – Awesome to see. I mean, if you want to get stuff before it happens, check it out over there. Um, so that's still up on the site. We have our running team-by-team roster cuts tracker right now on the website. Mm. I'm not someone who likes to post every single cut. If you want to see everything in one spot, we have that going up on the site right now. And then next week, something that I'm very excited about, my first ever um, coaches under 40 that I am keeping a close eye on. I've been working really, really hard on this mm. one. I've spoken to many different people about this. A bunch of names maybe you have heard of about, but many names you have not heard about, and maybe you should be keeping an eye on and some guys who are climbing the NFL ladder when it comes to the, the coaching cycle. I like that. That's a really good one. I mean, they're all really good, but that's really one that's very intriguing. So uh, as you guys always do, man, fantastic work over there at 33team.com. It's always one of my go-to spots, so I definitely appreciate you guys. And thanks so much for your time this afternoon, Ari. I appreciate you. Anytime, Q. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good stuff right there. Ari Mayrov, 33team.com on Twitter, at MySportsUpdate. And, yeah, of course, the roster cuts are coming up. Uh, but I, I'm, inter- I'm interested and intrigued a lot by that, uh, that, that piece that he's coming out with, the, pl- the coaches under 40 that you should be paying attention to because that's what it's about, man. I mean, so many years on top of years on top of years on top of years, you see the NFL just recycle coaches, recycle coaches. I love the fact that you're seeing new names get hired as head coaches now as opposed to just the same old – you know, like I said, recycle names that we heard each and every single year. Every time a coach got fired, oh, this guy will be great for the job. This guy will be great for the job. It's the same old song and dance. So I love the fact that there's more names that you're starting to notice and starting to hear about across the league as potential head coaches in the NFL. Really good stuff there from Ari Mayroff. Definitely appreciate him and his time. Now, I do want to take you back to Dallas. On Saturday following uh, the game, the, the Raiders lost to the Cowboys to close out the preseason. They lost 31-16. Again, wins and losses don't really matter. Uh, what mattered is the good pieces of news that the Raiders and Raider Nation got before the game, right? Tyree Wilson was going to make his Raider debut. That was great. Also, the fact that Josh Jacobs agreed to a deal with the Silver and Black and then eventually signed his deal on Sunday when he was at the facility. Vinny Bonsignor did a lot of great work, and he caught up to Devontae Adams following the game to talk about and start leading off talking about Josh Jacobs. Obviously, good news today that Josh is, is coming back. Just your thoughts on, on, getting, on getting 28 back, or eight, actually. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited about it. I know he's definitely excited. Got all of the business stuff out of the way, now it's just time to ball. And obviously, he's a key and a vital piece to this offense, so having him around is going to bring more confidence to the team. And I know, you know he's been working, too, so he'll be ready to get it. But we're definitely all excited. Lastly, I know there's like probably six practices between now and the, and the regular season. Mm-hmm. That's enough for him to, to get out there. I don't know if you've been in the, quite in that kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, 
At the end of the day, I mean, we're not pricing live anyway, so obviously he would probably feel better having more. But, I mean, when, you, when you're that type of player and, and, you know, you lock in the way and it's not like he's coming into a new team, he knows the, the scheme. So just getting re-familiar with everything is definitely not going to be how he wants it right out the gate, I'm sure. But we got plenty of time to, to you know, keep working with him and he's going to hit that book hard and um, do what he got to do in practice to make sure he's ready. So there you go, Devontae Adams and Vinny Bonsignor following the game, Raiders locker room. Uh, yeah, and that's that's what's most important is that Josh Jacobs is not a new player on this new team, right? I mean, he's a guy that's coming back. He knows the scheme. He's a running back, so he knows what he's supposed to do. We all know what he did last year. He's excited to be back. The team obviously is excited to have him back. The coaching staff is excited to have him back. And, well, again, he has a lot of success against the Denver Broncos. And who's up first on the schedule? Well, the Denver Broncos. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Josh does this year. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does September 10th against Denver. And I think that, uh, you know, as Ed Graney pointed out in the first hour when we talked to him, Josh McDaniel said it, that, you know, he doesn't see why his role would change any. I do think that Zamir White will be sprinkled in more than he was his rookie year. But then again, I look at what I saw from Zamir White on Saturday and uh, really what I saw from him in that first game, that first preseason game against the 49ers, he was okay. I thought he had his best performance against the Rams out of all three games. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just there wasn't a lot of energy on the Raiders team in general on Saturday against the Cowboys. But I think that Zamir needs to run downhill a lot stronger than he did against the Cowboys. And, you know, I know that the, you know, the, the, the wide zone, the, the zone, outside zone reads and runs that he's trying, to, he's trying to do, they're trying to stretch it to the outside. I know that's not really right up Zamir White's uh, alley. I know he's really more of a guy that just wants to get behind his pads and run downhill. But whenever he gets the rock, man, he's got to run hard. He can't just get ankle tackle, tackled like he did on Saturday. That, there was a couple. He only ran the rock three times, but there was a couple that I looked at. I was like, dang, really? <laughs> There's a reason why he carried the ball three times for three yards. It just wasn't very good. But we know what Josh Jacobs could bring to the table. He uh, was at the facility on Sunday. He signed his contract. He made it official. And then, and then Josh Jacobs was uh, going down to the, the equipment room. He got his jersey, put on his helmet, did all that good stuff. And then he had a chance to catch up with, uh, with Raiders.com. And basically, they were just talking about him being back, and he was talking about him being back. Man, it's crazy, man. It's almost like, you know, you've been away from your bed for a long time, man. You just want to get back to it. So I'm just happy to be around the guys. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys that I'm going to have to introduce myself to and uh, also prove myself to. So it's going to be fun, man. I'm ready to come in and get to work. Because I mean, I tell people all the time, man, I think he's the greatest mind, uh, offensive mind for sure, that I've ever been in. Uh, but man, I'm just ready to get back to it, ready to get back into the swing of things and uh, try to leave my imprint again. Y'all gonna get everything y'all got out of me. Uh, we're gonna come in and get this work, man. And let's, let's do some things this year for sure. So there's Josh Jacobs, and I thought that that was important. He said a couple things there. He didn't say a whole lot, but he said a couple things there. And one thing that stood out to me was when he talked about Coach McDaniels and his offensive mind. Sharpest offensive mind that he ever been around. Now, look, I know he just signed a $12 million contract, basically, a little while before that. So, you know, money could influence that, that, that statement as well. But I do think that there's a lot to be said about that. I think he does really respect Josh McDaniels and his offensive scheme and his offensive play calling and, and what he visions as an as a offense. I believe that Josh Jacobs and Josh McDaniels have a great relationship. I, I think that Dave Ziegler and Josh Jacobs have a really good relationship as well. Right. And, and obviously the business side of things is the business side of things. And sometimes that can get in the way of, uh, you know, relationships. And it doesn't even really matter how tight your relationships is if it's talking about the business side of things. But I think that Josh Jacobs really respects the hell out of Coach McDaniels and what he wants to do offensively and the scheme that he's running and how he uses them. So that's that's something to get excited about. 
You know what you have in Devontae Adams. You know what you have in Josh Jacobs. I believe that Jacoby Myers is going to be a, a big addition to the Raiders' offense. Hunter Renfro, you know what we all thought he was going to be last year. He has a chance to do that this year. right? Trey Tucker, his speed. DeAndre Carter, his speed. Guys like that, they could be assets. Michael Mayer, I think, is going to be a huge asset in the red, red zone in particular. That's really going to, that's really going to be a, a, a dangerous offense. The offensive line's got to do their job, there's no doubt. Jimmy G's got to do his job, there's no doubt. And the defense has got to be complimentary. But this team, they all stick together and stay relatively healthy. And, of course, that's, a, you know, that's for everybody, not just Jimmy G. I'm talking about health for everybody because we know how health goes in the National Football League. We know that you know, you're one play away from an injury that you might not come back from immediately, right? I mean, you might miss some time just because that's the nature of the beast when it comes to playing the game of football. So I think this team has a chance to be really good, and the offense has a chance to be really special. What do you think? 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good friend Juan the Smasher. Juan, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I know that's right. Hey, Q, I just got to say something. I'm excited to see my boy Josh Jacobs back in action, and I'm happy that he's got his one-year deal, and he's out there going to uh, smashing them donkeys, and he's going to do what he always does. And, then, and he's in, I'm assuming he's going to get a buck fifty and two TDs, Q. And for the rest of the league, got to watch out for my man Josh Jacobs because he's going to be in a tear, and I can't wait. Q, come on, baby, let's get it. Let's go hey, later. Hey, question for you, Juan. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Q, okay, are are you are you gonna get Baby Smasher? Are you gonna get Baby Smasher a Josh Jacobs jersey, number eight? Yeah, I I got to because I the last one got signed, so I got to replace that one with the number eight because Baby Smasher that's his favorite player, Josh Jacobs. I know. I remember being at the car dealership when he got that signature. You got to put that jersey in the in the frame, put it on the wall, and then you got to go get a new one. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Q, you know what's crazy? I still haven't framed that. It's still right there, wrapped up in the in the, in the bag. So I got to oh. frame it. Yeah, get a frame for it, my man. Get a frame. Appreciate you, Juan. Good stuff. Right, <laughs> Juan the Smasher right there. Really good stuff. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm already knowing uh, Baby Smasher is a big Josh Jacobs fan. I was there at the car dealership when Josh Jacobs signed everybody's autograph, including Baby Smasher's, right there on his uh, Josh Jacobs jersey. So, yeah, you got to put that one in the frame, my man, and then you got to put it up on the wall and go out and get that new number eight. That new number eight looks good. Josh Jacobs loves it. He said, ooh, look at that number eight, man. He, he looked like a kid in a candy store getting that new jersey uh, when, when they put it out there yesterday. So I thought that was really cool. 325 is the time. Thanks for the call. You can always chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text line as well, 69187, keyword r We'll get back to the question, who is a guy that you hope will make the 53-man roster? Maybe a guy that's flying under the radar that you think is a sneaky good player? And who do you believe will be the surprise release? Because there's always a surprise release in the National Football League. Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back. He'll join us next. It's Radish Radio 920. We've already done a lot of work on that. We've evaluated our team every step of the way, every practice we've had, every joint practice we've had, every preseason game. So we have a lot of information already. We'll take uh, stock of what happened tonight, uh, some of the things we were interested to see. There's no shortcut to this, so we're going to have a lot of discussion tomorrow, uh, obviously leading into Tuesday. So whatever the best thing is for the Raiders going forward, uh, we'll just try to put the best group together that we can. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Head coach Josh McDaniels talking after Saturday's preseason finale against the Cowboys, talking about the evaluation of the roster that was at 90 men, and it's got to be down to 53 men by Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Join us now on the phone line is longtime NFL defensive back. That's Mark McMillan. And, 
Mac, I do appreciate your time this afternoon as always. And you sent me a text earlier today that said, these next couple of days are the worst on the NFL's entire schedule. Over a 1,000 cuts will crush dreams and lifetime aspirations. Keep in mind that these young men have worked their entire lives to play in this league. Nothing is more challenging than being told you're not good enough. Mark McMillan joins us on the phone lines. What does that mean to you? Um, it, it says a lot, man. Uh, you know, I've been getting text messages from guys that we play with uh, all over the league, just just reiterating how blessed we was, man, to play a game that we dreamed of playing as, as kids. And, you know, we've all been through the cutting process, uh, including myself. You know, I was cut twice. You know, one time I was cut while I was washing my car. The other time I was I was cut going driving to the airport. You know, so it, it's tough, man. And uh, I know as, as part of the media – um, sometimes we get a little tough on these guys and say a guy is not good enough, but uh, it, it comes down to number. A lot of politics, obviously, with the salary cap, that plays a big part into uh, making cuts as well. So, man, it's just a tough day, man, for NFL players, for guys that's on the bubble. Um, if you're a veteran guy, man, uh, you know you know you got a spot. Uh, but if you're one of those guys that you think uh, you know you're on the bubble, it is gut wrenching, man, just to think you're going to get a phone call and say your services are no longer needed here. I can only imagine, man. And, and, you know, the reality of it is, Mark, that the league has upper echelon players that don't have to worry about this next couple of days. But the majority yeah. of the league, they're on that bubble, right? The majority of the league are guys that could be replaced at any time. At any time. Uh, you know, I always said, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Rice got cut. You know, he was one of the greatest receivers of all time. And, you know, anybody can get cut at any given time and, uh, you know, it, it comes down to salary. You know, you'll see mm-hmm. some guys that got cut that's going to get released on Tuesday. You'll be like, yo, why did they release him? You know, maybe he was making a little bit more money. Maybe they're going to re-sign him and bring him back for less money. Uh, I know they do that as well. But, you know, no one is safe, man. You, you look at San Francisco, you know, uh, the 49ers have not admitted yet that they screwed up that draft pick. You know, <laughs> everybody's so hard on Trey Lance. But the 49ers spread off is the one that traded all those picks away. They the one that screwed up that draft pick. Yep. No, they are. They are, and nobody's talking about it because they found a quarterback in the seventh round, the last pick of the draft, right? So <laughs> nobody's – no, right. So nobody's saying that they messed up, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they, all they gave up to go get Trey Lance and they got nothing out of them, not enough people are talking about that side of things. So when you're trying to make a roster in the NFL and you're one of the, like I said, fringe guys, you're a bubble guy or whatever – how important we, – we got the, – the, the preseason just got wrapped up, and everyone's like, man, I'm so glad the preseason's over. But how important are those preseason games to put everything you have out there on film so maybe the team you're playing for, like the Raiders, or one of the other 31 teams could say, hey, that guy, he's got some good film. Um, you, you know, you're getting watched by 31 other teams. And, you know, that's what, that was some of the things that they were telling me uh, from Eric Allen to Reggie White, Seth Joyner, all those guys. It's like, man, whatever you do – Play like you do in practice because there's other teams out there that will probably pick you up. You're a good player. Um, you have a place in this league. So I just took it every preseason game, man. I don't care if I got in the last five minutes or the second quarter, man. I just went out there and tried to hit anything that moved, um, you know, just try to continue to work on my craft and, and just try to stay humble and stay in the moment. And uh, thank goodness we didn't have social media back then. But <laughs> if you know up your media, 
it is like social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right about that. And man, I'll tell you, that social media—you uh, can go down a rabbit hole that you can never get out of, man. And it's it's a it's a rough deal at times. Mark McMillan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. How important is it, Mark, to to keep that kind of edge and that chip on your shoulder, like you always have something to prove, even if you are one of those guys that are established and you feel like you already got that roster spot sewed up. I mean, like I said, it's only so many guys that can make a roster. There's only so many guys that can actually say they played in the National Football League at a high level, whether you play special teams, practice squad, or whatever. It, it, it's an honor, man. And, uh, you know, some guys just take that for granted, I think. Um, you look at social media now. You see these guys taking pictures of themselves getting on planes. Uh, you know, some guys are doing cooking reviews now. I'm like, dude, you should be in your playbook worrying about what you're going to do on the football field rather than going to all these restaurants and getting reviews or what does your outfit look like. Um, you know, when you're on that, you know, when you get that opportunity, man, you just got to take advantage of it. And um, like I said, man, in practice, I practice like I played, man. I was trying to hit everybody and everything. Uh, Fred Barnett can attest to that. We fought all the time, even during the season, man. We were, <laughs> we were out there throwing blows, but he got me ready for playing against some of the best receivers to play the game. Right, and that's what matters, right? At the end of the day, you go out there and perform on game days, and, and, and you're right, and you do what you got to do, and, and you were a guy that created a bunch of turnovers. You had a knack to go find that ball, something that the Raiders have been working on, and you've been out at practice. I've been out of practice. You've seen what they've done at training camp and preseason. That cornerback room, let's start there, is really deep, Ooh. man. They've got a lot of talent there. There's going to be some tough decisions. Anybody stand out to you in particular that you're really intrigued by? Um, I know the rookie out of Maryland, um, you know, he, he's yeah. really impressed. Me. He's been hurt the last couple of weeks. I don't know what the extent of his injury is, but I expect him to be uh, in the starting lineup. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be shocked if he's put into the starting lineup and Hobbs is going to move back to the nickel spot. So there's a lot of questions. You know, Meek Robinson, you know, he's been with the team for a while. You know, Palomalo had some, t- some plays during the preseason. Sam Webb, you know, who was on the team last year, made some plays in the preseason. Um, that room is probably the deepest, uh, besides the wide receiver. You know, the yep. wide receiver room just as deep as that. Uh, but it's going to be some tough cuts, man, for that defense, defensive back room. And, you know, uh, all those guys went out there, they performed well, man. I think they really got after it in this preseason. They got their hands on a lot of balls. Um, they got a lot of turnovers. Uh, the linebacker position, position seems to be doing pretty good. You got Drake Thomas, uh, who had 20 tackles, 14 solo tackles. Uh, in the preseason, so there's there's some there's some hope, man, for these guys to get on the same page. And there's going to be there's always going to be a camp casualty that when we see that name come up tomorrow, we're going to be like, man, why did they get rid of that guy? But that's how much competition it is in that defensive back room for the Raiders. How much do you think that what they were able to do in training camp in the preseason, like you mentioned, get their hands on the ball, show that intensity? How much of that can carry over into the regular season? Um, I hope it does, and, you know, it, it's contagious. We didn't see that last year in training camp. It was right. almost like they were in Bel Air. It was like there was no chirping. Uh, there was no guys getting interceptions, and you saw it uh, in preseason. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were having any interceptions last year in the preseason. And you look at this year, the way they're getting after it, uh, you know, changing up a couple of schemes. I know it was pretty much base vanilla, but those guys were in really good coverage. Um, you know, quarterbacks were making some really good tough throws, but – I thought those guys played really well and stepped up big time uh, with creating turnovers, and hopefully they can go down in Denver and create some more turnovers. Without Max Crosby, you know, without Chandler Jones, the guys that's going to put pressure on the quarterback, I think those guys will fare well. If they just go out there and just make the plays that they were making in 
practice and in the preseason game. How important are those guys that you just mentioned? Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Marcus Peters, like the veterans that have been there, done that. And I know Max is still a young dude, but he's been there, done that, knows what to expect, kind of has given this, this Raiders team his personality now. How important is it to have those guys on the, on the team to kind of help bring along the young guys? Um, it's very important to have him. Uh, obviously, you know, he's going to be able to help the young rookie uh, come along. We saw his first action against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. He was just so excited. He was just bull rushing and you know, kind of a little bit control. But he'll get better. Um, you know, he's a big human being, so that, that's going to help with the uh, with the pass rush. And whenever you can have a, a you know a Max on the on the sideline or in the huddle, you have a Marcus Peters. Those two guys are kind of like the same. You know, they're both going to be chirping. They're both going to get in, in the guy's face uh, and challenge those guys. So having Marcus Peters, I think, added a little bit more aggressive uh, this to the team. Um, he's a ball hawk. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that can go out there and he, he might give up some plays, but at the end of the game, man, you can't throw to his side too many times because he's going to make you pay for it. No, he really will, and I think that he helps that room. You mentioned Ja'Korian Bennett, the rookie, Nate Hobbs going back to the slot. Those three guys I see out there on the field all the time together, They make that. I think he makes that room that much better and gives those other two young guys that much more confidence. Is that something that can kind of translate on, on the field, is that confidence that he, he brings to the table? I think it will. Um, like I said, when you have a Marcus Peters, a guy that you know that, that's been there and done that, uh, played at a high level, guarded some of the best receivers in the league, uh, still can play at a high level. Um, obviously, you're going to have a lot of pressure from your front four up front. That's going to help as well. Um, Nate Hobbs, uh, you know, showed flashes of goodness, last greatness last year, but got hurt. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back this year. I think he's really good in the slot area. He's physical. He's a really good tackler. Um, obviously, the rookie on the outside, man, he's going to get tested. Yep. But I think this guy is going to be up to uh, up for the task. And uh, we've got to be patient with him. You know, he's going to get beat for some passes. Uh, he might give up a couple of touchdowns this year. But uh, I really think this young man is going to develop into be one of the best corners in the National Football League. Yeah, I like what he brings to the table already. You know, he doesn't look like the moment's too big for him. He's obviously got the speed and looks like he really understands the game, and so he'll continue to get better. I'm excited to see his development. Again, we're talking to longtime NFL defensive back Mark McMillan here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. What did you think about the deal that your uh, Alabama brother Josh Jacobs received from the Raiders <laughs> and made official on Sunday? <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm just excited to see the guy happy, man. You know, obviously he's got a little bit more money. He changed his number. He went back to the old school number eight. Yeah. Um, I, Excited for the young man, and obviously, you know, you look at some of the film for, uh, you know, with Zaire. Obviously, you know, they, they saw some stuff that, uh, you know, that they really wasn't excited about because uh, they got that deal done real quick. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but you know, he, he, I don't think no one is Josh Jacobs. Josh brings so much to that team. Um, he's going to add a little bit more flair to those guys. I know Devonte Adams is probably kicking his heels to have him back because he helps him uh, in the passing game as well. And obviously, you know. Uh, you know, the quarterback coming in over from San Francisco, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to help him out as well. So everything happens for a reason. I'm excited the young man got paid. It's a one-year deal. Um, he's betting on himself again. Obviously, the Raiders are betting on him as well. And I look for another uh, good year from Josh. I do too. I really do. And I'm excited that he's happy. What did you think? You mentioned the number eight. What do you think about going to the old college numbers? You got Tyree Wilson at nine. You got Josh Jacobs at eight. You see Marcus Epps wearing number one. What do you think about, you know, taking it back to the college numbers? I, I like that, man. You know, let these guys, uh, you know, have their moment, have their shine. You know, if that uh, helps you and motivates you to know where you actually came from, 
you know, if you can wear a number that you wore in college and you're very successful with, uh, with that number, you know, that's something that you carry with you. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to wear number 29 at Alabama. Somebody took it from me. So wearing 29, man, every team I went to, that number meant a lot, man. So I had to pay some money as well, <laughs> you know, to get that number 29 at a couple of places I went to. But I was willing to make the pay the price right. just to get that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you wore that number and you wore it proud out there and you obviously were very successful in that number 29. It's not just about the number, it's about the action that you, you put out there on the field while you're wearing that number and you did it at a very high level. What are you doing, man? You're, you're, you're cooking, you're grilling, you're CBS Sports, you're doing you're pre- and post-gaming, I mean, you're, you're coaching. What are you not doing these days? The list is shorter, I think. Man, I, I'm just, this is a good time for me, man. I got some good news coming up too with NASCAR and Grilla McMillan that'll be here in November. So we're gonna keep that in, on, on the on the back burner, but it's gonna be huge, man. Forever to get into that NASCAR space. So you nice. know, I'll be doing the Raiders pre and post game show during the season. I'm excited about that. Um, I'll be on every Friday with my guy Steve Cofield on Football Fridays. Yep. Uh, so I'm excited about that as well. So I'm, I'm just this is been my time of year, man. And, Obviously, I'm out there, you know, supporting the UNLV football program as well. I'm looking forward uh, to attending the game this week. Uh, like what I saw in the last couple of practices I visited, uh, Coach Odom was very personable. Uh, first time I felt like I would really belong. You know, he came over after every practice, uh, during the practice, gave me a pound, uh, you know, showed his gratitude about me being around the guys and just seeing those guys. Uh, excited, um, you know. I, I feel a little a, a good buzz about the program, nice. and hopefully they can get hump man and get into a bowl game. Yeah, they've got to they got to be looking for that six wins, man. That should be a goal to get a bowl eligible and uh, make that happen. I think Coach Odom's going to do some good things for the Rebels, but of course you got to go out there and you got to do it on the field. But I do like what I hear and what I see so far from the new coach of UNLV. Well, Mark, it's always great to catch up with you, man. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time and obviously sharing your experiences across the National Football League. I definitely appreciate you, and I'm sure I'll see you uh, in the press box sooner rather than later. Oh, man, I can't wait to hang out with you guys, man, see you guys smile, and you know we go back and forth when we see a bad play. We don't say nothing. We just have that look in our eyes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Good stuff, Mark. I'll holler at you later, my man. All right, man. You got to keep up the good work, man. Keep crushing it, crew, Q. Hey, will do. Will do. You know I will. I appreciate you. There he goes, Mark McMillan, uh, former NFL defensive back, long time in the league. Fantastic job. And I just thought it was important as we are talking about releases and we are talking about these guys that have been their whole lives. This is what they've been training for. They're in the National Football League, but you know it's staying in the National Football League. So over, over 1,100 guys. Are, are no longer going to be on teams officially by Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, and that's a tough pill to swallow. A lot of people will look up and be like Mike Tyson when they got knocked out, like, okay, now what, right? When Buster Douglas knocked him out, he was laying on the canvas. It was like, all right, now how the hell do I get up? He had never been there in that position before, right? So it's a it's a tough pill to swallow, man. So you know, I don't I don't uh, you know look at it lightly. I don't I don't try to make fun of anybody because I mean these are their jobs and they're putting in all the work. And even the guy that's the you know the last guy on the depth chart is a lot better than 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 most people. You know, they're the one percent of the one percenters, right? I mean, again, we just sometimes we have to realize that the guys that make it to the league are the elite. And the best of the best at their position. So uh, tough, tough days. The next, you know, couple out, a couple days uh, in the 48 hours or so, and then even after the 53-man roster is is uh, is is released, other guys are gonna be released around the league, and there may be someone else that comes up. It's like, hey, that's the guy that we always had our eye on. Let's go out 
and get him. So many thanks to Mark McMillan for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon. Speaking of time, it's 347. Uh, we'll come back with your calls and text, 702-365-9200. Also got some uh, locker room sound from Aiden O'Connell as he caught up with Vinny Bonsignor following the game. Or actually, Vinny caught up with him. But either way, we'll uh, let you hear that sound coming up, and uh, we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Going fast and furious on this Monday. We look up and we're up against almost the top of the hour. That's almost two hours in the books just like that. (laughs) We always are in a sprint. We ain't never in no marathon around here on Unnecessary Roughness on Reddish Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q. And, of course, it's being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shout out to my man Mordecai. If you're looking for any kind of jewelry, Maybe you're like Sir Whiskey Ray and you've been at a lot of bachelor parties, but it's time to get rid of the bachelor and be the dude, right? Maybe you need to go see my man Mordecai, get you a nice, nice ring, take it to the woman, take it to the the potential wifey and give it to her, and then boom, it won't be a bachelor party. Well, it'll be your bachelor party. I'm like, I'm making plans for Sir Whiskey Ray. <laughs> He's like, damn, Q, you done, you done ran out my whole life. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. I was just saying, my man's been to more bachelor parties then I've been to parties, and I've been to a lot of parties in my life, but I swear for every weekend for about 52 weeks out of the year, Sir Whiskey Ray's like, I got another bachelor party going this weekend. He's like that movie. Remember Wedding Crashers? He's like that guy. I don't watch a lot of movies, but I watch that one. He's, uh, he's like Wedding Crashers, except for he knows all these people. He actually does know them. It's like every week he's got a new one. He's like, oh, I'm off to here. I'm off to there. I'll see you in Reno, going to San Diego. I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to Puerto Rico. I'm going to insert wherever you want to insert. He is gone. I respect that. But I say that to tell you, if you need a ring or any other kind of jewelry, go check out the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shout out to my man Mordecai. Tell him the Q sent you, and he'll definitely take real good care. You can always check him out online at the Jewelers. Dot com. So a lot of fun we've had so far on the show. Many thanks to Mark McMillan who joined us in the last segment. We want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword r The couple questions that I threw out there. Who's the guy that you hope is going to make the 53-man roster? You know, a guy that you think is flying underneath the radar, a guy who could be a sneaky good player for the silver and black. And then who do you believe will be a surprise release? Uh, Brad and Concord said tough, but great, great question for Monday before cutdowns. I have a feeling that Bolden very well could be a surprise cut. The other running backs, including Sincere, did very well. Combined with Jacobs being back, I'm thinking Bolden a little less needed. On the flip side, I would love to see Sims make the roster for all the same reasons that have been discussed. And, of course, when you talked about Cam Sims, it's his size. And, you know, I I like that you brought up the running back room because we haven't really discussed that room too much. Obviously, Josh Jacobs is there. That's a given. I feel like Amir Abdullah is a given, right, because he's a different style back and he's really a guy that's going to catch a lot of passes. But then you have Zamir White, who I'm, I'm like, eh, I'm lukewarm on. I believe that he's obviously going to be on the team. I just don't know what his, his production is going to be like. I wasn't really impressed. I, I thought he did well against the Rams. thought he did better than the first one against the, Ram, uh, the, Ra- uh, the uh, 49ers. Excuse me. So I thought, okay, maybe he's just ramping up, right? Maybe, maybe the first one was just the first game out, and it was just okay performance. And then the second game against the Rams, I was like, okay, that's what I was thinking I was going to see. And then on Saturday, I was just – just not, not too sure exactly what to see there. But as you mentioned, Sincere McCormick is in the mix. Brandon Bolden is in the mix. 
Damian Williams tried to make a name for himself on Saturday. I mean, they've got guys in that room, so it should be interesting on how that all shakes out. Matter of fact, we got a text here from uh, the 530. Hey, Q, what percent do you have Zamir making the team? 60%? I have him at 50%. Again, that's according to the text right there. 355 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. It's Rainish Radio, 920.